section three of the adventures of a dog and a good dog too by alfred elves this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by allison hester section three the inundation that evening it seemed as if nip and i had changed characters it was he who did all the talking while i sat in a corner full of thought and answered yes or no to everything he said and sometimes in the wrong place i am sure for once or twice he looked at me very attentively and winked in a way which proved that he was puzzled by my manner the reason of his talkativeness was the success i had attained in my first morning's walk for i had sold nearly all the meat and brought home a pocket full of small money the cause of my silence was the unexpected meeting with fida and the annoyance i felt at having been seen by her in such a position this was the first time i had set eyes on her for several days when we left our pretty country lodging i wrote her a letter which nip carried as usual to her house but he was told that she had gone on a visit to some friends at a distance but that the letters should be given to her on her return i had not therefore been able to inform her of what we had been compelled to do as i would have wished but thus without preparation quite unexpectedly i had been met by her in the public street acting the poor dog's butcher with the implements of my business before me and a dirty cur growling and gnawing his dinner at my feet what made the matter more serious for serious it seemed to me though i can but smile now to think why such a thing should have made me uncomfortable was that the whole scene had taken place in so open a part with so many grand and gay dogs all round to be witnesses of my confusion i did not reflect that of all the puppies who were strutting past there was probably not one who could have remembered so common an event as the passing of a butcher's barrow and if they looked at me at all it was doubtless for no other reason than to avoid running against my greasy coat and spoiling their fine clothes these confessions will prove to you that i was very far from being a wise dog or even a sensible one all the books i had read had as yet served no other purpose than that of feeding my vanity and making me believe i was a very superior animal and you may learn from this incident that those who wish to make a proper figure in the world and play the part they are called on to perform in a decent manner must study their lesson in the world itself by mingling with their fellows for books alone can no more teach such knowledge than it can teach a dog to swim without his going into the water nip and i had our dinner and when it was over my old friend went out to procure a supply of meat for the next day's business i sat at the window with my nose resting on the ledge at times watching some heavy clouds which were rolling up the sky as if to attend a great meeting overhead at another moment looking at the curs in the streets who were playing all sorts of games which generally turned into a fight and often staring at the house opposite without seeing a single stone in the wall but in their place fidas and puppies with stiff collars and barrows with piles of meat ready cut and skewered i was awoke from this day-dream by the voice of an old but very clean doggess inquiring if my name was mr job i answered that i was so called when she drew from her pocket and gave me a pink-coloured note which smelt like a nice garden 
and even brought one to my view as plainly as if it had suddenly danced before me, and saying there was no reply, returned by the way she had come. I did not require to be told by whom it was sent. I knew the writing too well. The neat folding, the small but clean address assured me that a lady's paw had done it all, and every word of the direction. Master Job In the Little Dog's Street, Lower Caneville, F. Spoke to me of Fida, and it did not even need the F in the corner to convince me of that fact. With her permission, I here give you the contents. My dear Job, I am sorry I was away from home when your letter arrived, and would have told you I was going, but that I thought the news might cause you pain, as I, by some mischance, had got my tail jammed in a door, and was forced to leave home in order to visit a famous doctor, who lives at some distance. He fortunately cured me after a few days' illness, and the tail wags now as freely as ever, although it was very annoying, as well as ridiculous, to see me walking up and down the room with that wounded member so wrapped up that it was as thick as my whole body, and was quite a load to drag about. But, dear Job, I do not write this to talk about myself, though I am forced to give you this explanation of my silence. What I wish to say is something about you. And to begin, as you have always been a good, kind dog, and listened to me patiently when I have praised, you must now be just as kind and good, and even more patient, because I am going to scold. Dear Job, when I met you this morning in your new dress and occupation, I had not then read your letter. I had but just returned, and was taking a walk with my brother, who had arrived from abroad during my absence. I knew you at once, in spite of your change of costume, and though I did not particularly like the business you had chosen, I felt certain you had good reasons for having selected it. But when I looked in your face, instead of the smile of welcome which I expected from you, I could read nothing but shame, confusion, and annoyance why dear job why if you were ashamed of your occupation why had you chosen it i suppose when you took it up you resolved to do your duty in it properly then why feel shame because your friend sees you as you must have thought she would one day see you since the nature of your business carries you into different parts of the city but dear job i feel certain and i would like you to be equally sure that there is no need of shame in following any business which is honest and which can be carried on without doing injury to others it is not the business believe me dear job which lowers a dog he himself is alone capable of lowering himself and one dog may be truly good and noble though he drive a meat-barrow about the streets while another may be a miserable, mean animal, though living in a palace, and never soiling his paws. I have a great deal more to say, my dear Job, upon this subject, but I must leave the rest till I see you. I have already crossed and recrossed my note, and it may be most difficult to understand where I most want to be clear. Here is a nice open space, however, in the corner, which I seize on with pleasure to write myself most distinctly, your friend, Fida. 
a variety of feelings passed through my mind as i read these lines but they were all lost in my wonder at fida's cleverness in being able to read my face as if it had been a book i was grateful to her for the good advice she gave me and now felt ashamed for having been ashamed before the best way i thought to prove my thankfulness would be to act openly and naturally as fida had pointed out for i could not help confessing as my eyes looked again and again over her note that she was quite right and that i had acted like a very silly animal i was interrupted during my reflections by the bursting of rain upon the house roofs and the stream which rose from the streets as large drops came faster and faster down i went to the door to look for my old friend but not a dog was to be seen I was surprised at the sight of the sky where I had observed the clouds rising a little while before, for now those same clouds looked like big rocks piled one above another, with patches of light shining through great caverns. As I stared eagerly down the street, torrents of water poured from above, which, instead of diminishing, seemed to be growing more terrible every moment. I had never seen so fearful a storm. It did not appear like mere rain which was falling. The water came down in broad sheets, and changed the road into a river. I got more and more anxious about old Nip. It was getting dark, and I knew he was not strong. My hope was that he had taken shelter somewhere, but I could not rest, for I was sure he would try and get home, if only to quiet me. While running in and out in my anxiety, the water having meanwhile risen above the seal of the door and poured into our little house where it was already above my paws i spied a dark figure crawling along the street and with great difficulty making way against the beating of the storm i at once rushed out and swimming rather than running towards the object i found my poor friend almost spent with fatigue and scarcely able to move having a heavy load to carry besides his own limbs which were not fit to battle with such a tempest i caught up his package and assisting him as well as i was able we at length got to our cottage though we were forced to get upon the bench that stood by the wall to keep our legs out of the water the rain had now become a perfect deluge a stream of water went hissing down the street and rushed in and out of houses as if they had been baths when nip recovered breath he told me that terrible things were happening in the parts of the city by the waterside. The river had swollen so much that some kennels had been carried away by the current, and it was impossible to learn how many poor dogs had been drowned. This news made me jump again from the bench where I had been sitting. "'What is it?' said Nip. "'I'm going out, Nip,' replied I. "'I must not be idle here when I can, perhaps, be of use somewhere else.' that is true said nip but job strong as you are the storm is stronger yes nip answered i but there are dogs weaker than myself who may require such assistance as i can give them and it is not time for a dog to sit with his tail curled round him when there are fellow creatures who may want a helping paw so good-bye old friend try and go to sleep you have done your duty as long as your strength let you it is now for me to do mine without waiting for a reply i rushed out the door 
it did not need much exertion to get through our street or the next or the next after that for as they all sloped downwards the water more than once took me off my legs and carried me along sad as nip's news had been i was not prepared for the terrible scene which met my eyes when i got near the river the houses at the lower part of the street i had reached had been swept away by the torrent and a crowd of shivering dogs stood looking at the groaning river as it rolled past in great waves as white as milk in which black objects either portions of some kennel or articles of furniture were floating every now and then a howl would break from a dogus in the crowd as a dead body was seen tossed about by the angry water and the same dolorous cries might be heard from different quarters mixed up with the roar of the river while standing with a group of three or four staring with astonishment at the frightful scene uncertain what to do a howl was heard from another direction so piercing that it made many of us run to learn the cause the pale light showed us that the torrent had snapped the supports of a house at some distance from the river's bank but which the swollen stream had now reached and carried away at least half the building by some curious chance the broken timbers had become fixed for the moment in the boiling water which angry at the obstruction was rushing around or flying completely over them and it was easy to see that in a very short time the mass would be swept away upon the timbers thus exposed were three little pups scarce two months old yelping most dismally as they crouched together or crawled to the edge of their raft while on the floor of the ruin from which this side had been torn away was their poor mother whose fearful howl had attracted us thither and who was running from side to side of the shattered hut as if she was frantic great as the danger was i could not bear to think the wretched mother should see her little ones swallowed up by the stormy water before her very eyes without a single attempt being made to save them although i could scarcely hope even to reach them in safety and in no case could bring more than one of them to land if i even got so far i resolved to make the trial better save one i thought than let all die holding my breath i launched into the current in the direction of the raft and soon found that i had not been wrong in calculating the difficulties and dangers of the undertaking it was not the water alone which made the peril so great though the eddies seemed at every moment to be pulling me to the bottom but there were so many things rushing along with the stream as to threaten to crush me as they flew by and had they struck me there is no doubt there would have been an end of my adventures avoiding them all though i know not how i was getting near the spot where the little pups were crying for their mother when i felt myself caught in an eddy and dragged beneath the water without losing courage but not allowing myself to breathe i made a strong effort and at last got my head above the surface again but where was the raft where were the helpless puppies all had gone not a trace was left to tell where they had been the river foamed over the spot that had held them for a time and was now rushing along as if boasting of its strength seeing my intentions thus defeated i turned my head towards the shore resolving to swim to land to my surprise i found that i made no progress i put out all my strength 
I fought with the water. I threw myself forward. It was in vain. I could not move a paw's breadth against the current. I turned to another point. I again used every exertion. All was useless. I felt my tired limbs sink under me. I felt the stream sweeping me away. My head turned round in the agony of that moment, and I moaned aloud. My strength was now gone. I could scarce move a paw to keep my head down the river. A dark object came near me. It was a large piece of timber, probably a portion of some ruined building. Seizing it as well as my weakness would permit me, I laid my paws over the floating wood, and, dragging my body a little more out of the water, got some rest from my terrible labors. Where was I hurrying to? I knew not. Every familiar object must have been long past, but it was too obscure to make out anything except the angry torrent. On, on I went, in darkness and in fear. Yes, great fear. Not of death, but a fear caused by the strangeness of my position and the uncertainty before me. On, on, till the black shores seemed to fly from each other, and the river to grow and grow, until all land had disappeared, and nothing but the water met my aching eyes. I closed them to shut out the scene, and tried to forget my misery. Had I slept? And what was the loud noise which startled me, so that I had nearly let go my hold? I roused myself, I looked around, I was tossing up and down with a regular motion, but could see nothing clearly. I was no longer carried forward so swiftly as before, but the dim light prevented me making out the place I was now in. Suddenly, a flash broke from the black clouds, and for a single moment shed a blue light over everything. What a spectacle! All around, for miles and miles and miles, was nothing but dancing water, like shining hills with milky tops, but not a living creature beside myself to keep me company, or say a kind word, or listen to me when I spoke, or pity me when I moaned. Oh, who could tell what I then felt, what I feared, and what I suffered? Alone, alone. When I think, as I often do now, of that terrible scene, and figure to myself my drenched body clinging to that piece of timber, I seemed to feel a strange pity for the miserable dog thus left, as it seemed to die away from all his fellows, without a friendly howl raised, to show there was a single being to regret his loss. And I cannot help at such times murmuring to myself, as if it were some other animal, Poor Job! Poor dog! I remember a dimness coming over my eyes after I had beheld that world of water. I have a faint recollection of thinking of Fida, of poor Nip, of the drowning puppies I had tried in vain to save, of my passing through the streets of Caneville with my meat barrow, and wondering how I could have been so foolish as to feel ashamed of doing so. And then, and then, I remember nothing more. End of section three.